Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Doc Westman in this episode of The Gun Nation. Executive Actions. Average Joe reviews a Masterpiece Arms 9mm Defender. We talk about trigger control and what we can do to get better accuracy. And Sam Kennison gets mentioned. All that and more in this episode of The Gun Nation. It all begins right now. All right, we'll just start right there. What the heck? We'll just start right there. That's where we'll start. Who cares? Okay, so as you can tell, we're already having a good time. We just, before the show, I think the before show lasts longer than the show sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seems like it. I mean. Mm-hmm. So anyway, as you as you can hear, we've got Paul Blade with us tonight. Paul, how are you, sir? Good, good. Looking for more knife control executive orders. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Awesome. That was your one sentence. You're done. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> You're out. We'll explain that in a second. And you, as you can hear, the little redhead Lucy, she's with us tonight. Lucy, that's ridiculous. Wait a minute, is that racist? No. You do it pretty well, though. Thank you. Uh, uh, uh. So, uh, how are you? Oh, top eight women bloggers in the. Hemisphere or universe or whatever it is. The hemisphere? Mm-hmm. I suppose, seeing as how we're, well, I was going to say we're the last free country, but no, maybe not. Um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. The uh, the NRA listed the top, or the, the great eight, the mm-hmm. great eight female firearms bloggers, mm-hmm. and I was listed among them. Melanie Lauer. <gasps> <laughs> awesome. They listened to the show. <laughs> <laughs> and so I very politely corrected them and said, "Oh, I'm really honored to be amongst these women, but my name is Melody." Did you did you cuss so, them? I know you I wanted to not cuss. cuss. Yeah, them. you're a cusser. I just not. Uh, I am, but I was good. So uh, yeah, yeah, I got you. But uh, so yeah, so but we you were eighth though. <laughs> that just I, well, they saved and- the best for last. I I don't believe what Doc was saying to us earlier before you came on, Melody, that obviously there must only be eight women bloggers in the country. No, I did Otherwise, not it would have been a top ten list. And no. I don't. I, I, I chastise him about that. <laughs> wrong, and that he needs to show you a little, a lot more respect. Well, That's right. That's right. 
Actually, I, to... what I said was I had to go. I'm gonna have to like get in contact with them and tell them exactly what number you should be. That's right. So they're at the number them. one. That's what I'm talking about. Numero uno. <laughs> that would be awesome. And as you heard, Average Joe's with us again tonight. Average Joe, how are you? Um, average. And Joe, at the yes. same time. <laughs> So anyway. You know, average is like putting one foot in boiling water and the other foot in ice cold water. On average, you're comfortable. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> in the tingly parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, anywho, for this before there. this gets really bad fast. <laughs> so I guess we all watched the Presidente, El Presidente, on his executive action. Uh, the stuff that he did, and uh, then of course he was with Anderson Cooper in a town hall uh, meeting. I, I got to start out and say Anderson Cooper did a good job. Agreed. Yeah, I think he did a good job, and uh, you know, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised about that. And then uh, that's where it ended. <laughs> you know, we had Taya Kyle on there, which is Chris Kyle's uh, wife, the the late Chris Kyle. And then um, I forgot I, I had it written down. I left the page somewhere. But uh, the the uh, lady that had uh, had been raped and uh, she what what they got if you did not see it obviously they got to stand up and ask a question. And of course, uh, uh, let's see, they had a uh, sheriff that I believe was he running for like representative or something like that. I'm not sure what he was running for. Obviously, sheriff is an elected office. Yeah, yeah, so but I maybe... thought. I thought he at the, somewhere in there uh, the president said, "You sure you want to run for Congress or something like that?" I thought he said, but uh, towards the end, I don't. It was one of those fillers that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you know you've got an hour to make you know do with a big stretch, so fill it with some stuff. But um, what we have said is we're all going to basically say one sentence, I guess, about what it is, and uh, I guess my sentence I'll start was. Um, uh, the president said absolutely nothing. Next. <laughs> well, I, I tend to disagree with that, Doc, because well, you'll be off the show next week. Go ahead. Before, uh, before the town hall was on, I had no idea that that reverend um, was the best looking priest in Chicago. Oh, true, true. I, I, you're quite right. Yes, this is the kind of rhetoric you got. <laughs> That's exactly the filler I'm talking about. So, indeed, indeed, I stand corrected. But yeah, he he really didn't say anything. And it, the one thing he did say at the beginning basically was that he doesn't know anything about firearms and he's never owned one. So that's who you want, folks, to be making laws and and rules and policy on whether you, the people that do know firearms, know how to handle them and are trained to law-abiding citizens. Reminds me of the. Uh... Uh, legislator from Colorado who mm-hmm. was so adamant about magazine legislation and we've got to get this enacted so as soon as people use up the magazines they already have, there won't be any left. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and what terrifies me about that is the fact is this is the same person that's making decisions about our roads, yeah. our infrastructure, our, you know, in, in the state of Colorado, the, you know, the reserves, the, the mm-hmm. Colorado militia, the drinking water of the people. Wow. <laughs> This yeah, is not right. the person I want making those choices. Exactly. And that's that's what happens. I mean, you've got, um, I believe they call them elitists or statists. 
uh, where they they think they know better than anybody else, whether they know anything about it or not, uh, then they're the ones. So that's uh, that's just incredible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're the ones making the decision for you, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, obviously, that's it, it was it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, I, I know uh, Tay Kyle, um, that the other girl, the um, uh, the sheriff did well. Um, you know, he was pretty intent on what he was wanting to say. They also invited one guy that was a uh, uh, a store owner, a uh, dealer, to talk about it too. And uh, so I don't know. I, I to me, he knows nothing. He doesn't even know. In my opinion, I mean, it kept coming around. Oh well, you know, uh, common sense gun laws. Common sense gun laws. Okay, well, you know, you can't define that. You can't say blah blah. It's a simple crap. Uh, who wants to go next? Anybody? I suppose I will. My my sentence was it was said or I'm sorry, his his attitude was that of the condescending nature of a man surrounded by a protective detail. Good good sentence. Good sentence. That's why she's in the top eight, Doc. I know it, man. <laughs> that that is top eight commentary there. That's I'm. You've moved up some spots after that one. That's what I got to say. I just figured it out, Doc. Top eight because it's Nate Lane Pool, man. This is the big time, right? Right. In the finals. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. Final heat. I like it. Uh, so, Paul. Last year, 2015, 2.4 million people failed a federal Nick's background check. My question is simple. How many of those people are in jail? That was a good question. That was. He's in top eight of... He, I was to say... He's female bloggers. Yes. <laughs> Paula Carlson. Paula. <laughs> You're Ethel. <laughs> Got Lucy and Ethel. And uh, Average Joe. Well, my, uh, my question... Um, well, I have two questions, Mr. President. Uh, you're talking about how you're going to get tough on criminals. Why are you letting so many out of jail? That's question number one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, you feel that it's insane that people on a no-fly list can uh, go in and, and purchase a firearm. My question is, why are there all these people on a no-fly list, and and what are we doing to either clear them, deport them, or prosecute them? The answer seems to be we're not doing anything other than putting people on a list with no due process of law assigned to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. But You're that's in the what top makes eight. people feel better. Yeah. That's what makes people feel good. They can shake their head yes and they can clap their hands. Yep. Minions. I mean, you know, the whole the whole point is, it, you know, if we could just do one thing. Now, the thing is... By not by proxy, they've pretty much come out flatly said none of this stuff would have worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if we could just do one thing, one thing that won't work, everybody will be happy. The majority of gun owners in America want more control over this. See, they're reading the wrong magazine or they're reading it incorrectly. We want more trigger control. We'll get to that later, too. Mm-hmm. More gun control, as in we want to hit what we're aiming at a little bit better. Um, but, uh, yeah, the one thing I think that I would have liked somebody to do would be to stand up and say, you know, because he's like, oh, you know, we're we're not, uh, you know, we're not going to take your guns away. I'm not going to take your guns away. Where's this conspiracy? If you 
like your guns. You can keep you your can guns. Keep them, which is the, the same thing I said about your doctors when Obamacare was rolled out. Yeah, that's the point. Exactly. That's what somebody needed to stand up and say was, if you like your guns, can we, if we like our guns, can we keep our guns? Because, I mean, you know, shovel-ready jobs. Uh, let's see where some of the other big ones. But, you know, uh, obviously they, that would have right. that, that <laughs> had you kicked out immediately and they would have edited that uh, somehow. But anyway, it is what it is. Um, I guess we've already spent too much time on that. Uh, I will say that Mark Vandenberg and I, uh, he's going to, on his, uh, his show, the uh, Gun Rights Advocates podcast, uh, he talked to me today. We're going to uh, do a recording, I think, tomorrow. And talk about the show and the entirety and all that. So we'll we'll go through that later. Um, but uh, but okay. So anybody else have anything else to say about it? Crickets. Awesome. All right. So next, let's go to a little bit of hardware. Which you know, I will say this: uh, new hardware coming out right now. Let me tell you, Shot Show couldn't be placed at a better time <laughs> because got new stuff coming out. Presidents just enact, you know come out with his. Uh, Executive actions, uh, pretty pretty doggone good salesman for us, that's for sure. Which was a comment they made in that too. Uh, but but uh, the Ruger American pistol, Ruger American pistol. Has anybody shot one of these yet? No. Nope. Mm. I'll be shooting one on Monday. Ah, old Joe's got Joe. one. Yeah. So we'll have to. I'm sure we'll be getting a uh, a one of your blog reviews on that as well as. Uh, uh, we'll be talking about it probably next week. Uh, what, what, how you enjoyed it, or lack thereof, and uh, the so the Ruger Amer- So what you know, no thumb safety. I have to say, right? Right. Okay. So it comes in forty-five right now and nine millimeter. It. I assume the way they talk, it it, it basically was maybe trying to position themselves to where they could eventually go into the military part of it, maybe. Um, the modular kind of system or something? Yeah, it looked like the the handgun was designed to meet the criteria set forth for the new Army handgun. Okay. Interesting. So they're entering that bidding process, which, you know, from a manufacturer standpoint, makes sense to do so. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, <clears throat> I had looked at some of the specs on it. Um, you know, you're, you're running into the same specs that you have on a lot of the other guns that are that size. I will say it's good that they... Uh, you know, don't have that thumb safety on it now. I'm I'm questioning, obviously, if they will uh, make that in a compact version. I would assume so coming up sometime. Um, none of us have shot it yet. Now, there's plenty of uh, folks online that have, uh, so you can obviously check some of that out now. I think Daniel Shaw had uh, had done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, once once Average Joe shoots it, then we'll be talking about it pretty heavily and. I'll have to say uh, that's we really can't talk much more about it other than what we've heard and what it looks like. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I think it looks like uh, M&P met a uh, Taurus, and they had like a really big kid. <laughs> I mean, it kind of looks that way. What do you think? Well, <laughs> you know, I've not shot it, but I've handled them. Mm-hmm. And they are significantly uh larger than the um sr9 and the sr40 interesting Interesting. so from a concealed carry standpoint probably not a concealed carry handgun for the majority of people out there 
Home defense, on the other hand, might yeah. be a very appropriate choice. Yeah. And a striker fired, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Utilizing, uh, hopefully, the uh, hand position there where you can get up high with it. Uh, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I've heard, you know, the, the, of course, you hear, um, like, some of them have shot at, like, um, Everett Gun Blast or whatever. Gave uh, good remarks there and a few others. And, of course, Daniel came up, and I think he uh, – did you read that, Paul? Did you read what he I said? didn't, actually. I saw that he had uh, put something up, and I just haven't had a chance to get yeah, to it I yet think with, he had, he, he, with everything else going on. His wasn't – you know, all this is the best thing since popcorn. It wasn't bad either. I mean, it just uh, – I think he had a couple of maybe issues or something like that with it. But uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um Rigger was awful quiet about it. They're going to be coming out with something else too, right? Here pretty soon. I understand. I heard. Well, I know that they are uh, in in uh, collaboration with uh, Tallow. Uh-huh. They are coming out with a 1022 that looks like an M1 carbine. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the one. That is the one. Have you heard anything about the price on that? No, I haven't, mm-hmm. but... Uh, the other special editions that Tallow has come out with are not overly priced. Yeah, unless they're Wiley Clap. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay, so good. Richard has a uh, write-up on the new Ruger at his page. Does he? Yeah, the Ruger 1022 uh, M1 carbine version. Uh, and I'm trying to dig for a price for you right now. And, awesome. and you know, I mean, one of the awesome things about uh, – a 1022 is just, I mean, this is one of the most popular actions that's out there. Sure is. And so to have that in a, uh, a format that's nostalgic in some ways, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. It looks like MSRP on that is 415. So, so. good. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. So yeah, if you so really I, want something now, it's not completely, you know, exactly like no, that. No, no, it's, but. it's smaller overall. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously has, uh, a Ruger 1022 magazine as opposed to an M1 carbine magazine. Right. So the magazine is smaller. 15 rounds, I think, is the the standard. Um, and there's a 10 round that is uh, looks apparently more like the the M1 carbine. But uh, you know, I mean, hey, if that's something you're into, that's cool. It's got it's got sights similar to the M1 carbine and uh, pretty slick. Ruger's yeah, why not? Ruger's smart enough. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, one of the few stocks that's gone up this week. So hey. Sure has. Must be doing something, right? Yeah. I'd like for him to make a uh, an M1 carbine. Mm, truth. That would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Under $1,500? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of nice. That would be awesome. Uh, Have you seen um, photos of the new Walther PPS M2? No. I've read about it, but I haven't seen it yet. That's uh, the same. That's all I've done about it. I, I can't wait to get one in my my hand as it looks like looks like they built this to be the gun that the ccp should have been oh so they learned their lesson and came that's back a big and did statement that's a big statement the ccp was nice in some ways but it had yeah. some major issues as far mm-hmm. as i was concerned well one of the things that uh um walther remarked about is that no tools were needed for disassembly which is one of the huge weaknesses of the ccp mm-hmm. yep Awesome. That and and I guess I don't, I don't understand in today's day and age with all of the other options that we've got out there why someone would develop a an action that absolutely needs a manual safety. I understand that there are a lot of folks out there that prefer a manual safety that want a manual safety, 
but there are a lot of ways we can build an action that doesn't need a manual safety. And, and I was very surprised at at uh, Walther, excuse me, their decision to to go that direction with the CCP. Well, um, you know, there are companies out there that feel that in this day and age you need to use a Pedersen design uh, <laughs> with a with a grip safety. Uh, I think that would be the Remington. Oh, the Remington R fifty one. Yeah. I think that everyone should go to Google right now and search for Remington R51 and just, you know, break the, the internet. First, check out the first result there. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Break the just internet. Just do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Nothing. It's amazing. I'll give you nothing more. <laughs> I am obeying your command. <laughs> As you well, should. When you, get the top, when you get the top return, I'll give you a little hint. It's going to be connected to the gun nation. Of you know, course the firearms blog. Try R51. Somebody that's think. going to be with us on Gun Nation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remington handguns, bearing arms, gun holsters and gear. Oh, there we oh, go. Oh, oh, and who could that be? Mr. Richard. Yep, Richie Rich Johnson. Yeah, he's he was going to be with us tonight to talk a little bit about you know the some of the new stuff coming uh, before shot and uh, <clears throat> wasn't able to do it. He said He's that um, very busy. Well, it, it was you, Paul. He he, he just he, he really just didn't want to be on the show with you. But I make people feel uncomfortable. Don't don't take it personal, would you? I'm a close talker. <laughs> That's what he said. The second um, he said. result on Google for me was entitled Remington R51 Update Remington dot com. I clicked on it, and the page is blank. Did you get rickrolled? Exactly. <laughs> Never going to figure you up. It's blank. Need to rickroll that. Oh, this <laughs> they're, they're hoping people will just, like, all of a sudden forget it. You know what I mean? Oh, that's not going to happen it's as going long to as oblivion. waves. <laughs> well, anyway, Richard is, is going to be uh, coming on with the show. Um uh, you know, uh, to be one of the uh, incredible co-hosts we have here, and of course he'll be floating in and out like the rest of rest of you do. Uh, so we're glad to have him coming on. But he'll be, and, and you're right, Paul. He did uh, he did not uh, originally want to come on with you because of the the personal space issue. You, have. <laughs> you know, Doc, I I. <laughs> I do the best that I can, and do you, you hold know, him best, and talk to him while you holding him? I'm the best Paul like Uncle that Leo. I can be, and you know, spelling errors aside, I think that I'm a pretty good person. You are a good person, yes. <laughs> All right, but anyway, yeah, he'll be coming on with us, so cool. But the point was, Richard has put so much on his webpage that he now surpasses Remington. When, when you bring up R51 for the Google. Outranks their own product. Outranks their own product, yes. Something's wrong there. <laughs> nah, Richard just does it right. He does. I'm saying Remington, something wrong there. No. <laughs> come, Give come. him another chance, Doc. All right. You know what they say? Get him another. Google is really good at, you know, bringing the first person to talk about the issue to the top. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There you go. Well, uh, do we have an R, RM380 update, uh, Mr. Average Joe? Anything about that? Sold a bazillion of them? And... Um, we sold what we got in, and then unfortunately one more came in because somebody forgot to take it off auto order. 
<laughs> now, um, the pins, the retaining pins, did did they fall out before you got it to the customer? Or? They didn't know because UPS just left it on the doorstep like an abandoned child. <laughs> yeah. It is. Th- this last one that we have that came in is probably going to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, quite frankly, no, none of us will uh, recommend the pistol. Mm. And if somebody comes up and wants to take a look at it, uh, you know, we have five or six different models of small pocketable 380s that uh, uh, would all be better. Yeah. Pretty simple. Well, okay, thanks for that update. We know now <clears throat> that somebody at the shop doesn't know how to uh, use the uh, computer for ordering. <laughs> Stop that auto-ordering. Yeah, it was you, wasn't it? Oh yeah, because yeah. they 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 let me order. Mm-hmm. I figured that you did just to have a spare pen. If they let me order, the only thing we'd carry would be CZs. So, ooh, can't ooh. I can't hacked in and did it? I admit it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, look, you uh, you did shoot something. Uh, what 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 you got for us tonight, there, average Joe? Uh, the masterpiece arm defender otherwise known as the MPA 930 DMG. And as always, we invite you to go over Average, Gen, Average Joe's Handgun Reviews.blogspot.com uh, so that you can see the fine photography that's there. Um, this is a strange little pistol. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of a Mac 10 And when I first uh, gazed upon it, I thought it was going to be clunky, and not very accurate, and uh, both of those impressions were really wrong. Um, it is uh, available in several different uh, Cerakote tungsten coatings. Uh, you got your black, you got your dark earth brown, and you got your burnt bronze. Uh, the dark earth brown was the one I tested. Um, the grip and the lower are made of aluminum with uh, non-slip decal grip panels, the angle of the grip uh, and the really generously cut finger grooves make it for um, uh, make for a very nice ergonomic and secure um, hold. It balances surprisingly well uh, with a two-hand hold, and the trigger pull was actually pretty crisp with minimal creep and a pull weight of 4.8 pounds on my Lyman Digital Scale. It's got a three and a half inch threaded barrel, uh, but the safety is mounted in a very unpistol like manner. Instead of it being mounted on the left side of the frame in easy reach of the right thumb, it's on the right side of the, of the frame forward of the um, trigger. So it's more where it would be on uh, a, a more typical military weapon. Um, which is obviously what this design is is from. Looks kind of like a bull pup that's been uh, cut off just a couple of inches uh, um, aft of the uh, 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 pistol grip, with um, uh, just a three and a half inch barrel stubbly sticking out of the front of it. Atop the receiver is also an accessory rail for mounting an optic, and it comes with a set of adjustable. Um, front and rear sights. The rear sight is black with a white V-notch painted on it, while the front sight is a military-style black post, which is in the white as well. 
And I have to admit that this was not an optimal uh, sight picture for my aging eyes. But despite uh, my handicap, the pistol actually turned out to be uh, uh, pretty accurate anyway. A piece of good news is that the MPA 930 DMG accepts Glock 17 magazines. So not only can you use the Glock 17 mags, but anything else that... uh, uh, the Glock 17 accepts, like the 30 mount or 33 round stick magazines, as well as a 50 round uh, uh, drum. And this is really an imposing looking weapon with the 50 round drum sticking out of the uh, uh, bottom of the grip. So, in looking at the targets, um, all of my shooting was done using MagTech 115 grain 9 millimeter ammo with a standing two hand hold on the on the Defender. As I mentioned, uh, the pistol is very accurate. The first target that you'll see there shows five rounds um, fired on a Caldwell three-inch orange peel target at at 21 feet, and all five of those rounds are touching, which is way more accuracy than I expected. Now, when I started rolling it out further, like the next target, which is at 15 feet, um, this is really where I began having difficult times um, seeing that front sight at all. And the grouping that you see there, uh, despite my handicap, is still fairly respectable. Um, most of them, this is an 8-inch target, but most of the rounds fell inside of the 3-inch um, inner zone, which is uh, not bad accuracy. Um, for that sight picture at uh, 35 yards. And uh, when we rolled it out to, to 50 feet, uh, the group opens up even wider, but those would all still be substantial hits on a humanoid uh, torso. And then the last target I have up there is what I call releasing the hounds. That was uh, 20 rounds rapid-fired at, at 21 feet as fast as I could pull the trigger, and uh, still p- pretty respectable in terms of uh, a hit ratio. Um, with the 50-round drum uh, and a suppressor and a red dot sight, this would make the Defender a very formidable home defense gun. It is certainly not a concealed carry pistol. Um, and, and the one thing I can't emphasize enough is this gun was an absolute blast to shoot. Um, It was one of the more fun days I've had at the range in a long time. So, you know, accuracy, balance, good ergonomics, and a high magazine capacity. Um, In its role for home defense, you've got a very formidable pistol. It's unique looking, that's for sure. Yeah, you definitely think MAC-10, I guess, when it well, or as somebody at the range put it, it looks like a very large Star Trek phaser. Yeah. <laughs> it all goes back to Star Trek these days. It really What's does. MSRP or Star Wars? That? What's MSRP, Joe? Uh, I know that the shop uh, where I shot this at has them on sale for, I believe, um, four fifty nine. Let me double check that. So that's the street price is is four fifty ish five hundred ish. Yeah, it's huh. a so novelty. Looks novel. That's kind of how I I look at those yeah. pistols. You know, yeah. I stand corrected. It's six oh nine. Okay, Boom. so definitely it's a novel piece. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, something fun to, and off the cuff and different, you know, to shoot or whatever. Huh. Well, it's kind of cool with the uh, ability to mount an optic up on top or something like that. But Yeah. Now, if it was fully automatic. Rock and well, roll. They, they make them fully automatic, yeah. automatic. The shop says they have one, but they're not going to put it out for people to use at the range because it is <laughs> way – the, the uh, a cycle rate is just amazingly fast. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because like you say, I think, you know, the, of course the Mac, you know, that's made, you know, for the the fully automatic stuff or I assume, I've never shot one, uh, uh, select, they don't have a select fire on it, do they? It's just mostly fully automatic, I think. Yeah, I don't know how those Anybody? are set up. I don't know. Either, but I think, I've like got a buddy that has one, but I've never, I've never tinkered never with it. it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, according to the owner uh, if you get one in uh, that's fully automatic, you definitely need the 50 or the 100-round magazine because <laughs> you will empty that 17-rounder in a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess it, 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 in that configuration, it would be deemed a machine pistol, correct? And that, correct. How they, how they get through that? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, like I say, he's got pictures over there on his website. Make sure you check those out. It looks good in that uh, flat, dark earth, and the safety is in just a crazy place for a pistol. Yeah. Bizarre. 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 All right. Um, let's see. Let's talk about, you know, we were talking about it uh, kind of being novel, or, or Joe was talking about, you know, either being able to see the site or not see the site there at one point. Uh, one of the things, uh, that I've been hearing a lot about lately, people talking, and of course it goes on like this forever and ever, is, um, you know, basically what can you do to get, uh, better accuracy with the, with the pistol, handgun-wise? And, uh, obviously, you know, there's, there, I guess there's multiple trains of thought here, one of them being for defensive purpose, and then the other's just for, like, you know, if you're trying to, uh, concentrate and shoot, uh, maybe slower, um, and of course, you know, it's one of the things is like, you know, uh, trigger, finger trigger placement, uh, where you put it up to the knuckle or tip of the finger on the pad, uh, it, it changes the angle of the gun. Uh, we'll get the, uh, we'll get our, uh, professional instructors here to talk about this. And then, uh, of course, other things. So, so guys, you specifically Melody and of course, Jay, you jump anytime you want to, but Melody and Paul, what, what are some of the things that we need to do to get better accuracy? Well, first, I think we need to define what good accuracy is. Um, So one of the common standards that I hear often is three to five yards, you should be able to put rounds into a two-inch circle consistently. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable standard at those distances. Um, and then at about seven yards, kind of like a four by six um, box, uh, high center chest. So when you look at those standards, and uh, so talking specifically about trigger control, there are two things, I believe, as far as accuracy is concerned that you need. That's sight alignment and trigger control. And if you have those, it doesn't matter. You could have the gun upside down. You could be hanging upside down. You could be sideways. It it doesn't matter. As long as you have side alignment and trigger control, you will make those hits all day long. Now, as far as trigger finger placement on the trigger is concerned, um, 
you know, I hear this all the time where you need to have it to the middle of the pad of your finger or closer to the knuckle or closer to the tip of the finger. Because I have such extremely short hands and short fingers, I cannot reach the, the pad of my finger on a vast majority of mid-size firearms and up. There are actually some um, firearms out there that I cannot reach the trigger on. I have to actually kind of move my hand around the outside of the gun to get my finger on the trigger. So I am always shooting with the very, very tip of my, of my finger. That, knowing that and adjusting for that, I can shoot out to 100 yards with a, a 9mm shield and make hits on target. So it doesn't, it doesn't mess with my accuracy so much because I know what I have to compensate for. And because I've been doing that consistently for many, many years, I'm able to keep that accuracy at a very high standard. It doesn't matter what gun I'm using. Now, for some people who are just starting out, that can be something where they have too much trigger finger and they're... Um, now, the, the common thing is, oh, well, if you have too much trigger finger, you're going to pull. And if you have too little trigger finger, you're going to push. I've seen the opposites happen, too, where they have, um, you know, too much trigger finger and it pulls versus pushing, you know, or, or pushes versus pulling. So it instead of using very broad terms when you talk about trigger finger placement, you really have to look at the individual shooter and see what they're doing. If they can't, if they're shooting at a two-inch circle at three yards and they're getting, and they're just not getting it, you kind of have to look at them from a to total package instead of trying to make these cookie-cutter answers that say, oh, this is always what you're doing wrong, because it may not be at that time. So that's my two cents. So basically, find a good instructor who can look at you and diagnose you specifically. Yeah. Well, you know, we've all seen those, you know, the targets uh, oh, I hate those that are drawn out. Yeah. <laughs> High and left, low and left. Tells you, oh, you're pushing, you're pulling, you're flinching, you're eating a sandwich or, you know. So what, I mean, are those any good? I mean, is any... I think they can generally be okay if you're looking for a very general just ideas of what you can be doing wrong. But the problem is, is if you're using that as your only diagnostic tool, you're going to get it wrong eventually. You're going to, you know, like I said, there have been people who've done some really funky stuff that takes a well-trained eye to see, not some printout target that you can download from the Internet. So, um, and the other thing, too, is they might get very good doing one thing, mm -hmm. but then when you add a new skill... Or, um, you know, even add something like a reload in there. Everything starts falling apart because their foundation was based upon a very, very simple test instead of something that's more total like self-defense. Mm -hmm. And all the little parts that go along with operating your gun in that capacity. Right. Paul? You know, a lot of good points there, Melody, and especially when you start talking about the issues that we see following reloads, following malfunction clearances has a tendency to be a time when people miss shots. Um, I find that the single biggest way to improve accuracy to the standards that Melody laid out, two inches at three to five yards, um, six to eight inches, you know, eight to 10 inches, depending on who you're talking to at, you know, five to seven yards, 
is to simply increase the pressure of the grip. And what I found is, is, is students have a, a struggle where they don't grip the handgun quite tight enough. And as a result, as they try and move their trigger finger to press the trigger, which is probably a six-pound trigger. I mean, that's a good average number to use. They're able to move the gun in their hand while manipulating the trigger so that the gun moves, and therefore you get the shot that is not where the sights were when you were looking at them and began pressing the trigger. If we increase the pressure of the grip to a crush grip to just shy of shaking, I mean, as hard as you can possibly grip that gun, it's much, much, much more difficult for the index finger in moving the trigger six pounds, eight pounds, even 10 pounds, if you're talking about a double action or a double action revolver, it's much more difficult to disturb those sights. And so if we focus on that crush grip with a smooth pr trigger press to the rear while we keep a good sight picture, most people are quickly able to get the hits in that range of that two inches at three to five yards. And that really is an excellent standard to look at for making a precision shot is that two inch group. If you think about it, if you, if you were to draw a circle that encompassed the eyes and you know, down to the top of the teeth, which is really what we're talking about when we're talking about two inches, that's about the size of the target you want to hit. And, and increasing that grip to a crush grip is the, the fastest way to get there. Crush grip. Man. Crush grip. Grip until uh, it starts shaking and then just ease it up a little bit, smoothly press the trigger to the rear. So like if you were to um, like hold a hammer, is it, it's going to be more pressure than like hammering with a hammer? Yeah. And, and especially because in, with the hammer, you know, we need to have some of that flexibility in the wrist. So it can be Because around, we want to, yeah. yeah, we want to accelerate the head of that hammer to drive the nail in. With a gun, we want that wrist to be, to be stiff and strong, to, to absorb the recoil as opposed to allow it to flex the wrist. So if we get that crush grip going on, it really helps tremendously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've run some anecdotal tests with students, you know, handing them a Glock or, or having a Glock on the table, then they move to another Glock. You know, one's got a New York one and one's got a standard trigger spring in it. Mm -hmm. So we're changing the, the trigger press by two or so pounds, maybe as much as three and a half pounds. With this crush grip, it makes no difference for these brand new students to handguns because mm -hmm. they're isolating that trigger finger through that crush grip. The, the trigger finger has much more of a difficult time. And maybe the better way to put it is the rest of the fingers have much less of a sympathetic reaction there you go. because they're already gripping as mm, hard that as they sense. can. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Well, well um, I think another thing, yeah. too, to, to mention real quick is if people start out <clears throat> on heavier triggers, they tend to do better when they switch guns than if they start on really light triggers. Um, I've seen this a lot with like your 1911 shooters. You know, they start out with 1911 and because, and I think this, this really does, I, I very much like what Paul was saying about the crush grip because I think some people with those heavy 1911s, the light triggers, they get really light on the gun. They get light with their trigger finger. They get light with their grip. And then when they move to another gun and they have to, grip the gun maybe a little bit harder and use more poundage in their trigger finger, their whole hand moves and you will see them fall to pieces because they can get fantastic accuracy out of a 1911, but they can't hit the broadside of a barn with something like a Glock and it frustrates them. But I think like what Paul said, if they can learn that crush grip right away and a very smooth, reliable trigger press with that trigger finger, um, 
they can translate that to a 1911 no problem. Uh -huh. But if they get lazy on a 1911 and then try and transfer that to like a Glock or even something worse, like some of those little micro pistols that we see that have a lot of recoil and heavy triggers, it, it becomes really hard and very frustrating. And I think that's the thing that hurts them the most is they saw how good they quote unquote could be. And then they, they kind of, you know, went backward for a little bit and that, that becomes demoralizing. So if you're going to start someone out, I'd say unless they have a real reason why they need a super light trigger, like really bad arthritis or something, I'd say start them out on a heavier trigger, possibly even double action. You know, as a matter of fact, I was going to make the comment. If you want to see uh, what I have found, going from a, uh, a double action revolver to, uh, well, any pretty much semi-automatic, um, it, it really causes you to concentrate more on mm -hmm. the grip and the side alignment and all going from the revolver to, to a semi-auto. And uh, it, you'll, you'll see a, 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 a perceived... Um, increase in accuracy as well uh, based on that so what you're think, saying makes a lot of sense yeah. i think that's actually a, a formidable um way to to train uh, you know a yeah. really successful way to train i spent you know a good bit of 2015 shooting a double action revolver for two reasons number one i wanted to be better with my double action revolver number two i wanted to be better with my single action gun right. and i think the biggest key there you know if you're shooting a double action gun Yes, the crush grip is important, but what also comes into play is exactly what you said, Doc, is the concentration. Mm -hmm. You have a longer period of time because there is additional trigger travel. There's an additional trigger length that needs to be dealt with. You have additional concentration that needs to be applied to get those hits. You have to do everything all at once for a longer period of time. Yes. And so if you transition then back to a gun that has a shorter trigger press, that has a lighter trigger press, now, the concentration that you apply there is much more focused over a short period of time, and you tend to get very good results. It's, it's exactly the reason why I don't prefer double-action guns for defensive use. You know, they're just less efficient because they require greater concentration over a long period of time, especially for that precision shot. Right. Well, let's talk about the sights for, for a minute, which will be a good segue into an email. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of people will say if you want to increase your accuracy like immediately much better shooting immediately concentrate on the front sight is it just that simple no <laughs> okay especially, good talking to you especially when you get older and that front sight is really really fuzzy yeah yeah well, i mean why is it you want to concentrate on the front sight why why not the target well there's you know there's two different schools of thought and when you're talking about the situation that randy's talking about right now mm -hmm. when you're at the point in life where your eyesight is degraded and the front sight is fuzzy because it's close enough that you would need reading glasses and you don't wear reading glasses on a regular basis you don't have the option to, fun to uh, focus on the front sight right. it's, it's not there for you and so focusing on the target and aligning those sights, the front sight and the rear sight that are out of focus, is an absolutely acceptable technique that can be used. It gives you errors in sight alignment. Uh -huh. If you, on the other hand, focus on the front sight and keep that very crisp, you have a much greater degree of accuracy when it comes to aligning the sights, uh -huh. and you have a tendency to make more errors in 
site picture, which is where the sites are placed on the target. Right. Over distance, site alignment errors, like you get if you focus on the target, result in a greater deviation than site picture errors that result from focusing on the front site. So, you know, what does that really mean? What it means is in a real life situation, which is probably going to be 10 yards or under, if we look statistically, we we see very few defensive uses of handguns outside of 10 yards. It's certainly a possibility, but it's on the outside fringes of, of statistics. If we focus on the target and then simply reference those sites, those fuzzy sites, we're probably going to be able to get the hits we need to get. Mm-hmm. If we focus on the front site and keep that crisp and clean and clear, we're probably going to be a little bit better at getting those hits. If I need to make a shot at 10 yards in that two-inch circle, boy, oh boy, am I going to be concentrating on that front site and everything else. I'm going to be concentrating on a site alignment, site picture, smooth press of the trigger to the rear with a crush grip the entire time, making sure those sites stay aligned throughout that entire press of the trigger and follow through. Hmm. Well, that makes sense, and I'm glad that uh, Randy Joe there had uh, eh. given us that because I found the same thing. Because It's know, a real issue. I wear progressive lenses mm-hmm. now, and it's like the top part gives me through the gun to the target, mm-hmm. period. The... Uh, at the bottom, I mean, it gives me very, very close. As a matter of fact, it even, you know, at arm's length with the pistol, the yeah, rear sights are still blurred. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so the, I, the only thing that works is that middle distance with the progressive lenses. And that's an issue because it's not a band that goes across the glasses. It's a spot. And so you're trying to hunt and peck to find that spot, you know, uh, to, to, to focus in on the front sight. It's not so bad if you're shooting slow for accuracy, you know, uh, like if you're bullseye shooting or something of that nature. But in in a uh, stress-type shooting situation or if you were imagining for defense or whatever, no, it's impossible. There's no way I could pull that up and find that. I just have to be sheer luck if I got it, you know. uh, Well, what what is helping me, Doc, mm -hmm. is to put a red fiber optic uh, front sight with the black, uh, full black rear sight. Uh-huh. And it, although the sight picture is not crisp, um, I can see that that red dot is there. You got that contrast. Yeah. I got you. So that's helping you to reference those sites, even though they're out of focus. Is that right, Joe? Yes, exactly. So, here, so here's, here's some interesting little bit of Zen stuff I'm going to throw in there. Zen? Oh. So, um, so here, you know, when when we're talking about like if you're a new shooter and you're you're just starting out. Now, this is something that was told to me in a, a Tom Givens class, and it was kind of like a kind of a thing. But <laughs> your your sights are there as a visual reference for where your bullet is going to go. Okay, so if you think of it that way, and you think of building a foundation of skill to the point where I'm not saying you don't need to use your sights because it's not at all what I'm going to say because it, it may, I'm kind of going to come around to that. Not really, but kind of. Um, a perfect example of that was I went out and did a, um, a no night or a no light shoot. It was pitch black outside with a Glock that had iron sights on it. And all you could see there was there was a little bit of light coming from the city nearby 
uh, reflecting off the clouds and literally the only thing I could see was the targets were white and the, um, you know, the paper, the background of the target was white, but the silhouette itself was light gray. So I could barely, barely, barely make out this kind of grayish area. So basically, um, completely dark with no night sights, drew my gun and using actually the muzzle flash from the end of the bullet to track my front sight, I was able to make those accuracy standards within 10 yards. So, and that, and now I'm not saying that people should do that because you need target identification, but I'm saying that to the point of there was a point there that it wasn't so much that I was getting perfect sight alignment and I was getting perfect sight picture and all that stuff. I was literally just for a briefest of second getting a flash of my front sight, but my front sight was consistently where it needed to be when that flash would happen. And that happened because I have had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of repetitions shooting the correct way. Right. And that's where my sight would be because I was shooting correctly. So if you can build a foundation of skill to where between that 10, 15 yards and closer, every time you draw your gun, your sights are going to be where they need to be. And I'm not saying that that means you don't have to use them. I think you absolutely should. And you should get that visual confirmation before you press the trigger. Because that puts that, like what Paul was talking about, that puts that entire picture together and it confirms everything for you before you send that bullet down range. But there's something to be said about building that kind of a foundation where that becomes almost very natural to, to have that kind of a, a consistency with how your gun recoils and with where your sights are going to end up in your follow through. Does that make sense, Paul? Am I, it makes, am I... it makes total sense, Melody. Okay. And, and, and if I were to sum that up, and you tell me if, if what I'm saying agrees with what you're saying, is that sites provide a confirmation of the proper kinesthetic alignment of a firearm. If you have many, many, many repetitions of properly aligning the firearm, your fingers, your hands, your wrists, your arms, your elbows, your shoulders, your upper body know exactly the position they need to go into to make mm -hmm. the gun hit where you are looking. And mm -hmm. through thousands upon thousands of repetitions of confirming that, yep, I've got it in the right spot, and now I'm going to keep it there while I press the trigger, what do you know when you don't have the opportunity to have all that information, the bullets still go there because, what do you know, we're doing it the same way we've always been doing it. It's consistency in training. It's, yeah. it's why red dot shooters... Um, you know, begin with a red dot and can't find the dot, but after thousands of repetitions, the dot is just always there. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they're presenting the gun in a way that aligns it kinesthetically in a proper way. They've developed the neural pathways and they're able to see that red dot. And what do you know? The bullets go where the red dot is when the trigger is pressed and the bullet leaves the barrel. Mm -hmm. I've got to say but that I've... I'm very pleased oh. that no one has used the term muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs> Automaticity. Automaticity. Yeah. Well, that's a good word. I like that. Might well, be made up, but I like it. What you're talking about is also reminiscent of uh, uh, NYPD police officer Jim Sorello's concept of, uh, well, his concept is something I can't remember, but basically <laughs> what it is is uh, 
he had a Glock that he took the sights completely off of mm-hmm. and would teach his students to line up the pistol just looking at the rear of the slide and would tell them, you know, if you can see any part of the slide other than that back square, you're off target. If all you see is the back square, you're on target. Mm -hmm. And there's that metal over meat uh, kind of concept that goes along Mm -hmm. with whether you're running a rifle, whether you're running a pistol, the silhouette of the sighting system, the silhouette of the firearm itself as as Lou Kyoto might put it, or or I, I shouldn't say that because I, I don't know how Lou would put it exactly today, but the concept is if you look at something and you put the gun in between your eye and what you're looking at, and it happens to be parallel with that line of sight, if you press the trigger and keep it there, guess where the bullets are going to go? And, and that's his target-focused shooting concept is simply look at it, put the gun in between, make sure it's aligned properly, and press the trigger. You don't necessarily need sights. There are all kinds of alignment systems that are available to you. And, of course, the, the sights are the ones we think of first because they're these irregular bumps on the top of the gun that, you know, we, we look at all the time. But there's all different kinds of ways to do it. Well, it, but, I mean, coming back to the original topic, which was basically extreme accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're talking about kind of defensive pistol shooting where, yes, I, I love the metal on meat concept um, that worked very well if you're trying to do rapid uh, you know, rapid shots in a relatively, actually a relatively small area. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can do very well using that using that sighting alignment. And I think some people confuse that with point shooting. That's not point shooting. You are still referencing your firearm. You are still aiming your firearm um, in on a specific spot. But as far as using your sights for a a very specific target and a very small target, um, you know. When we teach focus on the front sight and, you know, the way that I have learned it is that your eyes can only focus on one thing at a time, you know, in clear, Mm -hmm. clear definition. So what we're doing by focusing on the front sight is we are focusing on the middle ground between the rear sight and the target. And like you were talking about there, Paul, getting that whole sight picture so that you can put that front sight exactly where you want that bullet to go, align your sights, get that full sight picture, and then make that controlled um, trigger press. Mm-hmm. And that is where I think that is where people start to fall apart is because they get that alignment, they get that sight picture, and then they go, right now, and oh, they yeah. slam the trigger, <laughs> and they jerk off target. Whereas if they can just take that slow, steady press, they will they will hit exactly where they need to go um, or where they want the bullet to go, rather. So um, that's why we focus on the front sight. But I think some people get so caught up in that natural wobble zone that it kind of freaks them out a little bit and they start yanking on the trigger. And then they can't understand, well, my, you know... My sights were aligned, well, yeah, for about a quarter of a second before you yanked everything off target. So Yeah, the gun's never going to be perfectly still. You're never no. going to have the perfect sight alignment and perfect sight picture. What we have to achieve is one that is quality enough to make the shot that we need to make. And when we start to get into the you know unreasonable distance, you know, very long shots or the extreme accuracy. I'm now looking at that two-inch circle, and I actually need to put the shot at 
you know, three o'clock on that two inch circle mm-hmm. on the line. Now we're entering a realm where all of the little idiosyncrasies of of firing a pistol accurately, accurately, excuse me, make a difference. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that, and and we really have to make sure we're not snatching the shot. And that is one of the things that we see with people is you know they they're impatient and they don't understand the fact the gun is never going to be still, and they snatch that shot. And what do you know? Low and left if they're a right-handed shooter. You know, well, and they think that ahead. they're uh, they think that that it's instantaneous, um, but what it it's not. I mean, by the time your brain has told your nerves to tell your arm, to tell your hips, to tell your fingers. already someplace else. Yes. Your, your sights are already... And then you have to wait for all the processes that go on in the gun. The trigger, the, you know, the firing pin to fall, to strike the primer, the primer to ignite, to ignite the powder, to push the gases that push the bullet down the barrel. You know, all of those things have to happen. And it's actually a fairly long process for a shot to break, if you think of it in those terms. Not if it's so, an R fifty one. It's already broken. <laughs> that's yeah. But, it's already broken. And it's I, Rube I'm Goldberg. Also, <laughs> I'm also really surprised by how many people blame that blame inaccuracy on recoil and having to explain to them <laughs> that, that by the, the time yeah, yeah by the time the recoil hits you the bullet is long gone. Um, for some reason that's, that's sometimes very hard for people to understand because they, they think of everything as being so instantaneous versus a linear process. Right. My so, favorite is, is students that say, you know, gosh, I think the sights must be off on my pistol. Will you check them? And <laughs> by the time I get to the third student, the third student says, Hey, uh, will you come over here and shoot my gun and embarrass me? <laughs> sure, I'm happy to. <laughs> no problem. Because it's, it, you know, it's the it's the uh, Native American, not the wood shafted projectile. You know, right? I I totally agree with you. By the way, that if people would get that crush grip and really hold on to their guns, they would have much better success getting accuracy. Um, however, if they understood trigger control, grip becomes for a seasoned shooter grip becomes not less important, but an accuracy can be achieved without it. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the, one of, when people start blaming their grip on why they're not accurate, I have a little demo that I do where I turn the gun upside down. I hold it with my thumb and my finger and I pull the trigger with my pinky and I can hit a two inch circle from five yards doing that on one foot. Um, And it always, in a blizzard. I don't know. I haven't tried it in a blizzard yet. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you're trying to blame your stance or you're trying to blame your grip or you're trying to blame, you know, the recoil or any of those things, you need to understand that really what accuracy comes down to is sight alignment and trigger control. And if you can get those two things, you will hit your target every single time. Well, Melody, you you tell me if you agree with this. I think what we've done accidentally here is really kind of outlined a progression that shooters should follow as they you know pick up their defensive handgun for the first time, do some shooting. Um, as they progress, they move on to the more advanced techniques, and and finally end up in the frame of mind where they're able to make the kind of shot. Not necessarily with the upside down gun, but 
you know, with a with whatever kind of grip is on the gun, with wherever the finger is placed, mm-hmm. they still know and understand how to manipulate the trigger, how to align the sights and keep those sights aligned while they press that trigger so they can make the hit under whatever circumstances. And mm-hmm. it really comes down to, a, you know, chicken or the egg, which is first. And, and my personal belief is let's get the shots so that we can make the highest percentage shots as quickly as we can first and then drive on towards being able to put that round at 3 o'clock on the 2-inch circle from oh, yeah. 11 yards. And we do that from an, an unsupported position or, an, or a compromised stance and grip and everything else. And I think that's kind of what you're alluding to as well. And I think we're in, in real solid alignment here. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think, I think you're, you're, you're dead on about teaching the, the highest probability first and moving on to, to refining it um, and explaining it along the way so that mm-hmm. they understand yeah. it and can make that progression naturally, um, but guiding them so they don't get caught up in all these little fallacies. You know, let, me, about- let me ask you this question, Melody. How many days of instruction, and let's, let's you know, we can break it down into however you want or, or how long does a shooter need before you think they're ready to make that highly accurate shot at 10 plus yards um, on a very small target with compromised stance and grip? Is that day one? Is that day two, day three, day four, day five, day six? That of, is of really hard. official it's, training. Because it, it's, it can be very subjective. I'm sure yeah, you've sure. had students where no matter how much you try they're just not getting it. And then there yes. are there are students who, who blast out of the gate and they're just, they're naturals at it. They just get it. I'll ask but, the question differently. If you were to set up your curriculum, what day would you address those kinds of, of that Extreme accuracy stuff. Yeah, hmm. yeah. That would, I would try to do that on probably a day three. Um, that's exactly where I'm at. Day three, four. Yeah. That's, you know. Day three. Uh, yep. and, that's, and that's, like I said, if I can follow the progression of the shooters and think, okay, they're, at least most of them are ready for it, you know, because um, there might be that one. But cool. it can happen very quickly. It can. I think people, people can get those concepts and move along pretty quickly um, if they have a good road map. There we go. Um, and someone who can diagnose them when they're doing something wrong. Because yeah. too many times I have gotten students who've started out somewhere else and they're doing some crazy stuff that's inhibiting them mm-hmm. from moving forward and they have to unlearn before they can learn. And it's very frustrating for them. And and trying to explain to them this is why we need to unlearn this becomes frustrating. So if you can get them kind of raw and start them out right and move them along pretty quickly, um, three days is not unreasonable at all. Absolutely. My favorite is when I get the you know SWAT cop that comes mm-hmm. out after tons of training with the department and I have the you know accountant that has never fired a gun before. And at the end of day two, the SWAT cop is looking over at this accountant and saying, how in the world? And that's exactly what it is. It's having to unlearn all those habits. Mm-hmm. And, and the biggest suggestion I can give to people out there is find a quality instructor as soon as you can in your shooting. Yes. And get some good diagnosis. And you know what? One of the great tools that I like to use is my iPhone. You know, I can tell students and sometimes I can see things. Many times I can see things. But when I can show the picture 
of how far the muzzle dips before the muzzle flash comes. And an iPhone will let you take a burst of photos that's fast enough to show that. Mm-hmm. That really helps the student to understand, oh, wow, I really am jerking the trigger. What do you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very good. And I have to incorporate that more because you're right. Um, I've had that used on me with, with some people, you know, either slow motion or um, the iPhone, you know, the shutter burst. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's an extremely helpful tool to help diagnose and show people what they're doing um, when it comes to diagnosing. So very good. Awesome. Now, quickly, the crush grip, Are you, you're crushing it. Primarily with the uh, strong hand, right? Crush, okay. crush, 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 oh. crush. And, and how crush, do you uh, oh, talk, crush, talk to me about the support crush, hand? There. Crush, crush, crush. So crush, both of crush. them, and you want to collapse <laughs> oh, in. Yeah. You want to collapse I wanna, in. I want to. I want to smash that grip so that I crush the polymer around the magazine, and two can never separate again. Gotcha. <laughs> now, here's something that I will I will add in there because of my tiny tiny hands. So I agree. Crush, 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 crush. Now here's what becomes an issue for us little teeny tiny handed shooters. So everyone always, you know, tells you to put that thumb forward, extend that hand out. Something I learned this last year was I personally was trying to wrap my support hand too far around the gun. And because my hands are so small, when I tried to go, now I'm working on very fast splits here. I'm working at around 0.20. I'm trying to get my splits down to like 0.15, 0.16. I've been able to get to 0.17, but it's like 0.17, 0.17, 0.20, 0.25. You know, it starts to slow down um, because my grip was starting to break a little bit. So what I learned was that I needed to bring my support hand back a little bit. And if you can imagine taking a bottle, you know, and twisting the cap open on it, I'm thinking about driving my palm into that grip and almost twisting my hand that way, like I'm trying to open a bottle, and hooking my palm into the fingers of my strong hand. And that helps keep both of my hands very secure and I'm crushing with both hands as hard as I can. Yeah. That makes so, a lot of sense, Melody, the way you describe that with the bottle top. Thank you. Because it's really hard sometimes for those of us with really, really small hands, you know, yeah, we get that. Cause what I was doing before was yes, I had my palm on the gr- the, the gun and I was crushing those fingers together, but all it was doing was just making a, a opportunity for my hand to just pop off. You know, I was crushing so hard. I just didn't have the surface area to wrap around the grip. But if I can bring that hand back ever so slightly and grind that palm into both my strong hand fingers and the grip frame, much better surface contact. And it it just, the little bit of nomenclature there and thinking of it just a little bit different did worlds for my speed and accuracy. So just a tip for those tiny, tiny handed shooters out there. Super awesome, you little tiny handed shooter, you. I am. And what's this? Would you call it um, uh, metal over meat? Yes, I, metal over meat. Yeah, yeah, I said that. What is that? Metal over meat. <laughs> well, if you think about, you know, throughout a set of AR fifteen iron sights, yeah, they're made out of metal, and right. you put that metal as soon as that metal starts to cross over your target, begin pressing trigger. 
it, it, it really comes down that simple, especially at close range. You know, same thing with a, a handgun. If we're at, you know, four yards, three yards, and I need to make high center chest hits, as soon as the metal intersects with the meat, I can begin pressing that trigger and get hits where it is they need to get. That's the concept behind it. I'm not saying that's what it is that I teach, uh-huh. but the idea is is there. And, and I think that might be, I don't, does anybody know, is that the term that Cirillo used? Because that's where I brought that up was was when we were talking about Joe Cirillo. I don't know if he used that term in those words, but Joe, that's... who's Joe Cirillo, by the way? Just throw that out there. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> <Joe> sorry, <laughs> Jim. Randy oh, Cirillo. Do you spell that J Y M? Yeah, I think he's angry. Uh, he's dead. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Rolling over. Really? He's probably like, "That's it. I want Paul out of my life." Um, <laughs> Doesn't everybody? Richard. You spelled my name wrong. <laughs> but that's that's commonly how I've heard it referred to is is metal over meat. Um, which I, the moment I heard that, I'm like, oh, it all clicked. It all came together, and that was. And it really is a very simple concept. As long as you can, like you said, Paul. As long as you can see, or was it? No, I think it was you, Doc. Or was it you, Joe? Oh my gosh, now I can't remember who. But as long as you can see the back of that slide. Mm-hmm. In the box of that back of the slide over top of your target, you will hit it, provided you have good trigger control. Wow, it seems like trigger control is really important. If you have good trigger control and you can get that box, that slide over your meat of your target, you will hit it. As long as it's aligned. Now, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that fascinates me is when I, I stand next to students and, and I give them the direction of, you know, we want the gun in and parallel with our line of sight. And I look and, and the gun is pointed, you know, 20 degrees up or 20 degrees <laughs> down or 20 degrees right or left. You know, when you start to see other parts of the gun sticking out, you've got you've to understand that. But what happens is kinesthetically you learn how to align that gun. You, you, it just becomes habitual. It becomes mm-hmm. autom- – what was the word you used, Melody? Automated. Muscle memory. Automaticity. I know Claude Warner had to put that like in a loop for me. And automaticity, automaticity. Yeah, I I simply say automated. You know, we want that to be automated (laughs) is what I've always used. And and, and develop the neural pathways. We want to have that be simply habitual so that it happens without necessarily being conscious that it happens. It just happens. Well, and to the point where if you get it wrong, you feel it immediately. Yep, yep. So if you grab a gun, I mean, if you're doing a draw stroke and you draw that gun, you can feel immediately this isn't right. And you can call where your shots will be. Like if you're working on on extreme speed and you draw that gun and you take the shot, you could have your eyes closed and be like, that one was low left and open your eyes and be like, oh, yep, sure enough, there it is, low left. Because you could feel the way that the gun was oriented in your hand. Now, obviously, if you've never shot a gun before, you have no idea what it feels like yep. when you pull your shots or when you're aligned or when you're not aligned. But that's why, like you said, Paul, having that good instructor from the get-go helps you because think of how many hundreds of rounds, maybe even thousands that some people put down range incorrectly mm-hmm. and they build that automaticity for something that's not correct. Yep. And then they have to go back and relearn again. How frustrating for them to have to try and build an entirely new program. 
so when I think of like, when I get wives or girlfriends or other people in class who, oh, my husband has been teaching me for, I've had one, <laughs> woman, my, my husband's been teaching me for five years. Five years is a long time to be doing something wrong. And it's not going to be corrected in a day. So I actually had to go out after that class and her husband came to pick her up and I had to go and talk to her husband and be like, listen, buddy, you got to help me out here. Don't ever have her do this, 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 this and this again. You know, um, this is why it was wrong. This is why it was hindering her. If you want her to succeed and you want her to do better, help me help you and fix yourself. And, you know. So it's one of those things where if you're if you're going to try and instruct someone else, make sure you're doing it right. But take it upon yourself to get good instruction. Makes all sense. Word. <laughs> um, well, this is a good segue into an email we got from Adrian Romero. Uh, Adrian asked, "Good evening, gentlemen." Uh, of course, I'm sure he's including the Lucy there, <laughs> the redhead. I carry a Smith & Wesson M&P 9mm that I got at Cabela's about three years ago. Uh, think range and scary kit. Time and time again, I've heard how awful the standard three-dot sights are. I've even heard uh, AJ refer to standard Glock sights as dovetail protectors. I've been a big fan of the CFS program. I've even had the privilege of taking advanced pistol handling from Paul in Phoenix around February of 2013. So here's my question. What are good sights? Keep in mind that I plan on using them if I have to, to manipulate the slide uh, if I'm down or uh, had to work with one hand. Um, and uh, he says, thank you very much. Uh, goes right with what we're saying, man. So, Absolutely. And uh, I, I remember seeing Adrian's email come in and, you doing man i hope life is good out in in phoenix um i had the pleasure of training with adrian and his wife his wife came out for day two and uh spent some good time together so as far as good sites go i'm a huge fan and and melody you know we we do a good bit of low light shooting here in cleveland and you talked about doing some low light shooting i don't find night sights to be super helpful in that situation i'm also a big advocate of carrying a white light so you know providing that silhouette that you talked about from the muzzle flash with your own white light is pretty effective. I am a big fan of the Ameriglow sights. I like the green front sight, and I like any rear sight that matches those Ameriglows that has a sharp front to that sight so they can be manipulated. I'm, I'm not picky. You know, the, the claw sights from ICE training are outstanding. The uh, uh, Dave Spaulding cap sights, C-A-P sights, are a sight that I have on a lot of my pistols because I, I bought them before the ICE claw sight were available. Both of them allow me to manipulate the sight. They provide that bright green front sight uh, to allow me to pick that up quickly if I have light. And if not, the plain black rear allows me to pick them up reasonably in a silhouette and they work just fine. And that's what I would recommend is, is either the ICE training claw sight or the uh, Amerigo, Ameriglow cap sight from Dave Spaulding. Both are great sites. Uh, the Ameriglow is not too expensive either, right? I mean, no, they're, yeah, we're talking 70 bucks a yeah, set for good. front and rear. 
Yeah. And and that probably has a tritium vial in that front sight inside that really big green rectangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great sights, both of them. Cool. I I uh, I'm a I won't say old fashioned because I guess it's not really that old fashioned, but the Trijicon HDs um, are have always been a great uh, addition on many of my guns. I do like the Ameriglows too. I've had those on a couple. I think I actually had those on my last shield that I traded for another shield. Yay. Um, <laughs> and those ones have H- uh, Trijicon HDs on them. And um, I like having that ledge for that back mm-hmm. sight to, to do any, you know, manipulations one-handed. Um, I I like night sights. Um, when I when I was doing that night shot and shoot that I was telling you about, you know, later on we did go to, to night sights. And I do like having dimmer rear sights or um or black it out rear sights and just that bright front sight mm-hmm. um you know and and something that a lot of people do suggest as far as like whether or not you think that you need night sights it's a 30 dollar edition you know if you if you want them it's 30 bucks go get them you know i mean really if you if you look at it in the concepts or in the um totality of what things cost and stuff so um but if you take the slide off your gun and just move around your common area which is your home with just the slide you can see the different lighting aspects where maybe in this lighting night sights are better um and really where i think night sights shine most is not in total darkness which people which is what people think of but in that very intermediate light where actually there's um you know kind of backlight where you're in more light and your uh, your target or your targeting zone might be a little bit lighter or even vice versa really where if you're in kind of a dark area and that's kind of a little bit more illuminated but still very ambient lighting um that's where night sights really shine um versus just all black sights um, however, if you can get a profile of your gun over your target and you can positively identify your target, you know, we've already talked about that accuracy. It's not that hard to make those good shoot, good, you know, um, good shots if you have that kind of kinesthetic alignment and you can positively identify your target and place that over where you need it to be. And I prefer uh, Warren Tactical mm-hmm. um, fiber optic front sight with their black shelf rear sight. And I find that works real good when I get that Sam Kinison alignment. <laughs> the the Warren Tacticals are great sights, Joe. You're you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And I I use those on my Glock pistols for a very long time until I had uh, a gunsmith offer to do some modifications. They're great modifications, real nice round out of the back. And mm-hmm. the Warren Tactical sight because it extends beyond the dovetail did it no longer fit into the profile of the gun, and so I moved away from those. But Warren Tacticals, with yeah, no doubt about it, good quality sights. And when they're being installed, I also ask the uh, whoever's putting them on to um, leave a little extra um, on the back side of the pipe so that when it's melted, it is a really big red dot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said Sam Kinison. That was funny. <laughs> Say it, say it. You have to look that one up, folks. I think that's what's going to be the title of the show. (laughs) 
Dang. Joe got the title tonight. Good work, Joe. Yeah, Joe, he's oh. he's putting it out there, baby. That's crazy because, I mean, that's a big financial bonus when you get the title of the show. You got it. I know. I know. 10% more. I can't mm-hmm. wait for that check to roll in. It's going <laughs> to hit you, man. Uh, well, awesome. man, this is a good. I'm glad that email, you know, kind of fell in with what we were talking about. So that's such Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> Yo, Adrian. What's up, buddy? Yeah. To all the guys out in Phoenix, I said, hey. Yeah. And you know, more importantly, thanks for putting up with Paul. We know he <laughs> likes to invade your personal space. Uh, what? I don't understand, Doc. I, <laughs> I, I'm just the best Paul that I can be. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, Sorry, I had a cough there. Um, let's let's wrap it up. I, I did want to say, you know, back before Christmas, we talked about, I hate to say it, we'll call them defense pins instead of tactical pins. And uh, so I bought a few of them and actually got <clears throat> the one I have started carrying that I like is the Schrade, uh, but it's it's the, um, uh, this particular one only comes with the um, nib. It's the fountain pen. I have that one also do you now they've got one that make it in a combo uh but you know, where you can either make it like a rollerball or <clears throat> maybe it's a something like that and the fountain pen that's not the one i'm talking about. i am talking specifically one's fountain pen it actually is it's a, that's a dang of good pen i mean i i was shocked I, I it fits my hand pretty good and it the weight's pretty balanced on it i mean obviously these pens i don't think you want to be writing a novel with but you know to sign a check or you know a receipt or something like that uh and and the one i have is is i got it in a bronze it's kind of a bronzy brown bronze color and the reason i did that you know instead of getting black or you know maybe just silver was to kind of make it as not screaming the defense thing you know a little bit but now clipped clipped on the uh I usually clip if if I don't have a, a shirt pocket, I'll usually clip it. Uh, like if I wear a knit shirt, uh, clip between the buttons on the front, uh, and uh, goes very well there, and it holds very well. Writes doggone good though. I was shocked at how good it writes. Um, but it uh, it's got a nice sharp point to it. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, on the uh, uh, the base of it down at the bottom, and of course, you know, I like the fact too. It's got the screw on with the gasket. So you know you don't have to worry about your uh, your ink leaking anywhere, and uh, you know it screws on the other side too when you want to write. But uh, it's got that good flat top to it where you can really get your thumb on it, you know, to drive it in. So I like it, and it was like twelve, eleven, twelve dollars on Amazon, pretty cheap. So anyway, so you say you have it, uh, Joe? Yeah. Awesome. And I got it in the bronze too for the exact same reason. Yeah, yeah. As they they sell it in pink as well. And it's like it is pink, so uh, I think one it might even had little hearts on it or something. I don't know, but uh, that might be good for for you know melody to get. I'm gonna I, go with pink, Doc. Yeah, well, <laughs> Paul, <laughs> oh. it's it's fuchsia for you, buddy. <laughs> they need to have a fuchsia one anyway. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to mention that I like it. Uh, it it's hefty. It's uh, you know, uh, it does a good job uh, for the price. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. It's so now, now my zebra has a a friend. There's a, there's a parable about NASA spending millions of dollars to find a pen that would write in space, and and uh, the uh, Russians sent everyone up with a pencil. <laughs> so I use pencils 
Because I'm old school. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever jabbed yourself with a pencil? Have I ever? Well, you know what? Actually, yes. Yeah, everybody has, yes. right? I have a scar. Yeah, me too. It's, it's kind of a mini tattoo on my foot from uh, your it foot. Left, <laughs> yeah, it left <laughs> it left some graphite in my foot, and I have. I want to hear this it. story. Not it left graphite in my foot. How do you stab yourself? In I gotta foot? know. <laughs> I mean, what? Talk to me, Goose. <laughs> I was walking across my very 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 cluttered bedroom when i was about seven or eight and my left foot kicked the pencil so hard it embedded into my right foot that is some awesome kickage right there isn't that an amazing story and so of course being an idiot i just yanked the pencil out and it like i said it left graphite behind and when it healed it left this like pencil marks permanently in my foot. Yeah. I think everybody's got one of those. I was in school and uh, I think it happened to be during the spring or summer, you know, when we were, I think, you know, when it was getting warmer. So we all wore shorts at that point. And I jabbed one in my thigh and it left the graphite in there. And it's still there. It looks exactly the same it did back when I was in, you know, sixth grade. So, yeah, I believe everybody has. Okay. So now I have to hear this story. How did you jab yourself in the thigh? I don't even remember. I just remember I did that. I think I had it turned the opposite direction of the way I thought it was. And I just, you know, might tap my leg with the racer just, you know, and I think I pushed it down when I did it. I realized I'd made a huge error there. Uh, Either that or it was that big fight, you know, that we had. The fight of 1972. I'm picturing Doc as Will Ferrell. That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's just <laughs> And, of course, hilarious. I ran around like uh, Will Ferrell did in uh, uh, Talladega Nights. My leg! Yeah. That happened right down the street from your house, didn't it, Doc? Yeah, it did. That's what I figured. <laughs> Crazy. All right, well, uh, anybody else got anything you want to talk about? Uh, let's see. You get, you said How many classes you got this year, um, Paul? I have no idea. Millions? The, the, the calendar is uh, yet to be completed and uh, fuller than last year already. Oh, yeah. And uh, love to train with folks, so come on out. Excellent. And, Melody, you're obviously going to be doing something, traveling somewhere. Oh, yes. Yes, the the calendar is ever-filling, which is good. I like full calendars. So, um, yep, I'm going to be teaching, hopefully, um, maybe up in Alliance, maybe down in Kansas, mm. uh, in Alaska. Mm. I'm already scheduled for something up in Alaska, maybe down in Tennessee. Um, Make so, sure you shout out if you're in Alliance, because I mean we're talking 30 minutes away. I need some, yeah, I need some notice. Absolutely. So, um, so I'm looking at all over the place, and uh, it's going to be, you know, of course here in my, I don't want to say my hometown, but around Des Moines, lots of classes going on in Des Moines. I have at least a dozen scheduled already. So, um, yeah, love to see people come out. MelanieLauer.com. Yeah, MelanieLauer.com. Oh, I hate you a little, <laughs> little bit. Melody. NRA, are you listening? Melody. Melanie. If, you know, the first time someone links my blog and says, Lucy, I'm, I'm calling I like you. It. I like it. And do I'm going to be like, People do it. Do it, people. Oh. Does it count if I do it? Because I can have it done in like seven seconds. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I love it. 
and then it's going to go, and then people are going to be like, wait a minute, I'm so confused, because first you were Looney Tunes, and then you were Melody, and now you're Melody, and where did Lucy come from? Lucy. <sighs> I'm going to start calling you Lucy on a regular basis. I like it. I think we Who's lost Joe. Joe, you there? Yeah, we lost him. Are you back, Joe? No, he's filling out a 4473 right now. <laughs> That's my tomorrow. Tomorrow. Poor guy. Oh, here he is. Is he, Are back? he back? Yeah. Oh, awesome. I figured you were. Me. Tell me the next time before you dump me. I didn't do it. I just looked and it was off and I was like, well, did you quit? I figured you were filling out a 4473 there, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I like to get him started for the customers. <laughs> And you, uh, how's the, how's the book sales? You heard anything doing well? Uh, I don't really know because they, they only true us up twice a year and the first payment will come in April. Um, I do know that a listener bought it, Uh um, who is in charge of setting up a violence prevention program at his, uh, company. A listener? Oh, awesome. Uh, listener bought it, and then uh, uh, hopefully we're going to get some business from somebody who saw uh, our announcement about the book on LinkedIn. Uh, she's the vice president of risk for a fairly large manufacturing company. She bought it and read it, loved it, um, recommended it to the general counsel. Uh, he loved it. And uh, they've ordered about a half a dozen more copies for some more executives. And then they want to talk to us about consulting uh, a little later on. Oh, I like hearing that. Good work, Good work Joe. Good work. Good work, yeah. Very awesome. And, of course, it, I guess it's still available like Amazon. and Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. Yeah. Did you mention Doc in the book, Joe? Just out of curiosity. Crickets. Yeah, I did, but it's in code. Yeah. Oh, good call. Good call. It's the one that says it's where it says the end. <laughs> That's the code. <laughs> the I was on the uh, Handgun World podcast with Bob Main uh, yep. Wednesday around, night. Pouring around. Yeah. Oh, man. Matter of fact, and, he call, get this. Get this. Paul, not to interrupt you, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> Paul says. um Hey, Doc, uh, you know, I'm going on the Handgun World podcast on Wednesday. Is that going to interfere? <laughs> like, no, chat. no, I can move, you know, our show. Uh. Out of respect, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bob didn't even give me a chance to ignore you. I, like, he was on it, like, from minute one. That's what I'm talking Gun about. Nation. I was like, dang, man, how am I supposed to diss Doc? That's right. <laughs> he got it done. He did. He was I like good. that guy. He yeah, it was good got time. it, it done. Good time. That's good, man. I, you know, I didn't ask, but everybody have a great Christmas and a and a nice, nice holiday, New Year, and all. Yeah, that was pretty good. Well, Wonderful. I know, uh, I know, Paul. You were went to Florida, right? Yeah, I had to go down there on business and sit by the pool for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sip the little margaritas or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, watch the kids. Get rum drink. Out to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, Joe, I didn't you, get flown out to Hollywood. <laughs> Joe, you, you did you hang around home or? No, no, no. I went to uh, Denver, where there's a weed shop on every corner. <laughs> Not saying that you uh, partook, though. No, but I did go to the donut shops that were always right next to them. <laughs> you get you some voodoo donuts. I'm telling you, voodoo donuts. That's top class stuff. <laughs> that's hilarious. Making note, voodoo donut. <laughs> 
Should that be the title? I don't know. Voodoo Donuts? I don't know. Let's take a quick uh, Voodoo Donuts or um, the Sam Kinison alignment. Oh, I think I like, Sam Kinison. Yeah, I agree. Sam Kinison. Yeah. All I'm, right. I'm a little disappointed in myself tonight. Yeah, you're, you're kind of laid down, but Joe Cirillo. We can go with that. <laughs> Point out the fool boy. Yeah. All right, let's close shop here. Night. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. That'll do it for this episode of Gun Nation. Appreciate you listening to the program. Pay a visit to gunnation.us for all things Gun Nation. Until the next episode, stay armed and stay polite. I didn't know you wanted to get involved with the discussion, Mr. Helper. But since you want to help, maybe you can help me, okay? You remember that thing we had about 30 years ago called that Korean conflict? Yeah, where we failed to achieve victory. How come we didn't cross the 38th parallel and push those rice eaters back to the Great Wall of China and take the first brick, brick, brick and nuke them back into the Tony River? How come? Tell me why! Say it! Say it! All right. I'll say it. Cause Truman was too much wealthy wimp to let MacArthur go in there and blow out those coming bastards. Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm gonna be watching you. A good teacher. He really seems to care. About what I have no idea. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.